outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on FishingBooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. And now, your host, Spencer Newharth. This is Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, powered by First Light. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this week we're talking about hunting with an opening day mentality. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio. I am your host, Spencer Newharth, and this is episode 460. And joining me is Mark Kenyon, who has an approaching opening day coming up in Michigan. And by this weekend, for most of the Whitetails range mark, uh, people are going to be able to hunt. Maybe some states in the south have a little bit later opening, but for 90% of folks listening to this, you probably can be in the woods at this point, which is super exciting. Um, and for you, Mark, what is your mindset like going into opening day on October 1st in a state that doesn't open until October and you have to watch everyone else having fun in September? Yeah, man, it's just uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm very, very excited. I, I, like you said, I feel like, you know, once October hits, like it's hunting season. I mean, it's hunting season everywhere. So I know everyone's been chomping at the bit if they haven't been going yet. And uh, it's just it's just a great time of year. So let's just pause for a moment to be really freaking excited about that. <laughs> and um, and yeah, I mean, I'm feeling great. You know, October 1st is uh, it's it's a holiday of sorts here in Michigan. So there's gonna be a lot of people hitting the woods. And and I always look at it as one of those very best chances of my entire season uh regardless of intel regardless of weather uh i always look at those first couple days as a really good chance and and it's actually something that maybe is worth discussing a little bit because you know if you were to look at the weather forecast for a lot of parts of the country right now it's kind of stagnant there's not a lot of change there's nothing really exciting there's not that big sexy cold front uh nothing like that at least from the places i've seen and definitely not here in michigan um so I know some people that might see that and be bummed and be like, ah, eh, it's not gonna be that great. Uh, maybe I'm not going to go out or maybe I will just try to shoot a doe or, or whatever it might be. But you got to remember, at least if you hunt in one of these places that's opening right now, this is 
you know, it, it's different than what someone's experiencing in North Dakota where their season's been going a month. And if my season's been going a month and October 1st rolls around and there's no great front, there's nothing that's really going to change deer movement, then yeah, I'm not too excited about it. But if nobody has been hunting in your area for eight, nine months, and these deer are still doing their thing relatively unbothered, you've got this short window to catch them off guard. And I can tell you, even here in Michigan, where there's lots of hunters out there, where there's an antlerless season that came in two weekends ago for a little bit, and there was a youth season that came in three and a half weekends ago before that. So there's been a little bit of pressure already. Even with that, I still, almost every year, catch a good buck on his feet in daylight or close to it or have some kind of close encounter, some kind of excitement on one of those first couple days of hunting. So, um, So that's all to say that, you know, Get out there, give it a good shot or two. Even, even if you're, I don't know, on a small property and you got to be really careful about hunting pressure, I still think it's worth a good stab or two in the beginning because worst case scenario, you don't kill a buck and things don't go as planned and some does blow out or something, but you got plenty of time until we get into late October or November when, when most people feel like is their, their best chance, right? Um, there's plenty of time to recover from any mistake right now. So I say swing for it because I think they're out there and, uh, that's, that's at least the way I'm looking at it. And I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Weather's not great, but it's not horrible. It's kind of average here in Michigan, uh, high barometric pressure, which, you know, a lot of people say is a good thing. I'll, I'll say that I'll hope it helps things out a little bit. And, uh, and I've got some Intel on a, on a buck. So I think, uh, you know, you never know. It's probably not going to go the way you want it to, but I'm going to say I'm going to head into the field on the evening of October 1st, feeling cautiously optimistic. So if if you are hunting in a state like Pennsylvania or Illinois or Michigan that has one of these early October openers, what is like your ideal textbook setup look like for that opening weekend hunt? You know, I think it's it's pretty standard. It's it's similar to a lot of people when they're opening their season on September 15th or September 1st in that it's food related. It's just different because the food source is probably different, right? So like North Dakota, their food source they might be focusing on September 1st might be green soybeans or maybe it's an alfalfa field. Uh, here in Michigan on October 1st, those things aren't quite as attractive. So I'm thinking corn right? Corn's dried down and becoming very attractive right now. I've been seeing a lot of deer feeding on the edges of cornfields right now. Another thing that I know is happening here for sure and across a number of other states are that acorns are hitting the ground. So I've got a lot of buddies who have been telling me that their trail cameras have been drying up. They're not getting a lot of trail camera pictures. And the assumption is that that's because the acorns are hitting. And so now these deer have moved off of food plots or they've moved off of whatever you know spot these people had their cameras. And they're now back in the timber eating uh eating that gold delicious uh not gold but eating that delicious white oak so i think that for me i'm set up somewhere either transitioning from bed to food or very close to on top of that food source that's most attractive in my area um so i've got a spot where i can plant some food plots where i've got some green food right now that's next to a standing cornfield that's going to be something that i'm going to like a lot very close to good bedding very close to good food and safely in between the two. That's that's like your textbook, simple, early season opportunity. If you're hunting public land or something where you don't have that kind of obvious food source that's not getting pounded, now I'm thinking 
an oak flat or an island or like a finger with some oaks on it that extends out into a swamp a mile back on public land or an island of high ground with a couple oaks on it that are dropping acorns back in this thick, wet, boggy stuff Uh, or maybe some some oak ridges way back in the timber, whatever it might be. Or maybe there's an isolated apple tree. If you can find that dynamite food source that's isolated and far away from other people and in the cover, that's what I'd be thinking about on heavily pressured land right now. And some of the stuff that you talked about there, Mark, is actually part of like our reading material for this week, which you can find in the description of the podcast episode. There are four articles that I would recommend for whitetail hunters to read this time of year. The first one is How to Deer Hunt Standing Corn by John Eberhart. He breaks down three tactics you can use to find and kill whitetails around cornfields before they're harvested. Uh, and then the next is everything I use on DIY out of state deer hunts by you, Mark, uh, where Mark lays out his entire gear list from his sleeping bag to his truck topper, to his camp stove, to his climbing mm-hmm. sticks, to his optics, quite literally everything that he travels with on DIY whitetail adventures. And then an article by Tony Peterson, a guaranteed way to ruin any deer hunt. He talks about how certain distractions can make you have less fun and less success. And then finally, the truth about frontal shots on deer by Dylan Tramp. He breaks down all the considerations from a deer's anatomy to its behavior to your gear setup for taking a frontal shot on a whitetail with archery equipment. I like it. I feel like at this part, I just wish that we had a visual because when you give us the homework assignment, I just imagine you in your glasses with one of your <laughs> sweater vests on, you know, or like a, what is it? Not a sweater vest. It's a... Oh, cardigan. cardigan. Yes. You're in your cardigan when you give us these homework assignments and you're standing at the front of the classroom and you're writing these down on the whiteboard. That's that's what mm-hmm. I envision at this part. So someone's got to like Photoshop that together for me. and <laughs> We can post that. I feel seen. That's that is what I'm doing. That's that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> yes. And then the folks that you're going to hear from this week, we have Lindsay Thomas Jr. in Georgia from the National Deer Association, Caitlin Moss in Missouri from Caitlin Moss Outdoors. And then in New Hampshire from the Just Hunt Club is Brett Joy. And then we end with Byron Horton from Ohio from the Whitetail Experience. I like it. Well, uh, man, there's been a whole lot of these opening days in Michigan where I've talked to you beforehand. And then we decided we'd come back in the next week. And I would always say, I hopefully going to have a good story for you. <laughs> and, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot of them where I've got the good story, but there's been a few. And uh, I'm just going to cross all my fingers and toes and say it one more time and tell you that spencer hopefully next week i've got a good story for you i like it all right good luck mark and the next time i talk to you it will be october hallelujah all right and joining us online first is lindsey thomas jr in georgia from the national deer association now lindsey in georgia what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten uh spencer i'm gonna split that up a little bit because i hunt my family's land in coastal georgia uh, where we have a little bit of an earlier rut. Our rut peak is usually the last two weeks of October. Uh, down there, I'm going to say, based on uh, scouting that out a little bit the last couple of days and, and watching my cameras, that we're at about a four to five on buck movement in coastal Georgia right now. Um, but I also hunted this weekend another property about an hour north of there that's more up in the central Georgia uh, section that is is more of a, you know, middle November rut, like the rest of the state. Um, and I'd say it's more of a three there right now in the majority of central and central Georgia. Um, but I'd like to say coastal, it's picking up a little faster because our rut is earlier. 
Lindsay, you are an expert when it comes to what whitetails want to eat. So let's start with man-made food sources. What are some man-made food sources that are relevant in October for whitetail hunters in that part of the country? Going to be, you know, if you've got in a fall, fall food plot, uh, with some fast germinating annuals like cereal grains, uh, brassicas, and I'm, I'm cereal grains being oats, wheat, rye. If those are, if you got those planted and they're coming up in time for October, those will be drawing already. It's been uh, a little too wet, honestly, in the southeast lately. We just got some food plots planted this past weekend at my family's land in coastal Georgia. But but normally September and early October is when most people are planting their fall food plots. That you know could be a factor in October. Um, and and if you have a leftover, say, warm season plot of some beans or cowpeas or a soybean field that hadn't been harvested yet, uh, that may still come into play as far as man-made. How about natural food sources in the South? What are some food sources that are relevant for October in that part of the country? Going to be acorns. Uh, the white oaks should start falling. Uh, I was out this weekend hunting. The water oaks were starting early, and there was a, a very abundant water oak acorn crop out there right now, but to the point that it was uh, too, too much, you know, I, I really couldn't get any type of deer concentration around a water oak tree because there were lots of them. The white oaks were not falling yet. We've also got a pretty good crop of swamp chestnut oaks, which are also in the white oak family. So they're pretty desirable acorns. I'm seeing good crops of those, but they're not falling yet. The white oaks really won't start kicking in until October and the swamp chestnut oaks a little bit later. We've got a good crop of crab apples out there right now. That's what I was actually hunting over this past weekend was uh, some patterns around crab apple trees. Um, and it looks like a good persimmon crop too. Uh, but those uh, persimmons will probably be strong in October. Crab apples will pretty much be gone. So we'll be talking about um, acorns in the white oak family starting to fall in October and persimmons should be pretty good. Are you seeing any sign making in the woods yet? In coastal Georgia, yes. Um, I got my first picture of a younger buck going with a full scrape sequence on September 11th uh, and got uh, another sequence on uh, the 23rd, a uh, little bit older buck. So they're starting scrapes in coastal Georgia. When I was down there, uh, besides the ones my cameras are on, I was seeing, you know, the first uh, scrapes under leaking limbs all around in the traditional locations. Now, up in the, the property I hunted up in central Georgia, closer to central Georgia, I was not seeing that. I'm not seeing scrapes start up yet. And that makes sense. We're normally in central Georgia about two weeks behind the rut timing of coastal Georgia. So, yeah, things are starting to cook in coastal Georgia. And, you know, the next four weeks are going to be really strong for buck movement. But again, not quite there in central Georgia. Now, every year when I talk to you, Lindsay, I ask you to speak on behalf of whitetail studies and, and science about what it says when it comes to cold fronts. And it's a little bit unfair of me, but you do such a good job of articulating it that I'm going to ask you again. So when we inevitably get that October cold front for most of the country, which I, I don't see in the forecast yet, but it's, it's certainly going to happen. What do studies and scientists say about whitetail movement when it comes to cold weather or warm weather? Uh, the data does not show a connection. It just doesn't. Lots of studies have been done on this. You can talk to the experts. They've stared at the data until they're cross-eyed, and you just can't see a correlation uh, between buck movement or deer movement and air temperature. Uh, so it, it's the rut. That's really what it is. Cold fronts get hunters on their feet, not so much the deer. Um, I love to hunt a cold front as much as anybody else, 
but the science shows, I mean, look at what's going on in coastal Georgia right now. The buck movement is picking up as it should right now. Given the typical timing of breeding, the peak for us is going to be around the same late October every year. Wherever you hunt, you know, that, that peak of breeding is going to happen roughly around the same time every year. And the buck movement is going to increase as the weeks approach that date, no matter what the weather is doing. So, uh, you know, when a doe comes into estrus, a cold front is not going to stop that. She's not going to go out of estrus because it's warm. Um, so when a doe's in estrus, bucks are going to be pursuing that. You know, they're going to be active. So, you know, as, as I always say, look, if it's around the time of the, the peak of the rut or getting close and buck movement's picking up and should be where you hunt, if it's warm, you still should go hunting. Don't stay home just because it's warm because the bucks are still moving. That is what the data in, in numerous studies using GPS collared bucks shows. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Georgia? I'm going to say next week in coastal Georgia, we're going to be up around a 5 to 6. Um, opening day gun season for us is October 16th. It should be Things should be really good around then on bug movement. So 5 to 6 next week as we get into early October and then you know moving on up. Again, the last two weeks of October are going to be strong for us. Uh, middle Georgia, most of the state, I'd say, is more around a four, maybe uh, should be up to around a four next week is what I'm thinking. Because again, they'll, they'll begin pick, sort of following along, picking up with those first tentative scrapes uh, starting next week. All right, Lindsay, great intel. Thanks for joining me and good luck with the rest of your season. You too, Spencer. Thanks so much. All right. And joining us on the line next is Caitlin Moss from Missouri from Caitlin Moss Outdoors. Now, Caitlin in Missouri, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Honestly, I would say it's about a five. I would say less, but this past week we got a cold front and I think a few people were able to capitalize on that. Um, But just from my personal experience this past week, it's been pretty slow. And I think the biggest reason is because it's just so hot. We're getting temps in like the mid eighties. So I think they're just not really moving much in daylight. And I've seen a few bucks, but not, not as, not as much activity as I have seen in past years. What are you seeing for sign making right now? Not much. I kind of did a little bit of scouting preseason and typically, you know, this time of year I'm seeing rubs and scrapes everywhere, but I've seen one rub in about a two mile radius and two scrapes. So nothing, nothing too um, crazy right now. And um, this is a piece that I have hunted in the past. And by now, typically there's a lot more sign. So pretty slow. Now, I know that you hunt a lot of public land and you often are scouting as you go. What are some things that you're looking for in late September, early October when you're scouting in season? Well, late September is kind of a weird, it really just depends on, I would say, weather. I really like to look for ag fields if I can. Some public doesn't have that. Last year, it was a CRP um, field. And so this year, it's beans. So I've kind of been focusing on that. Um, and just kind of getting a general idea of where they're moving and maybe where they're coming from. And then as I, you know, kind of get a pattern on them, I like to move in into the timber a little more and, and try to get a little bit closer to the, the bedding. Um, so that's kind of been my focus currently. What are other relevant food sources on public land in that part of the country right now? The acorn crop's pretty good. Um, I'm seeing a ton of those, but where I'm at, it's, there's just so much food that it can be really hard to pinpoint. There's just a lot of browse. There's a lot of 
ag fields, there's a lot of acorns. So it really is difficult to kind of figure out where they're at because there's no like one direct food source. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and are you having more success finding buck moving in the mornings or the evenings right now? Well, I only hunted one morning so far and it was honestly really good, but um, it was cold. It dropped down into like the fifties. Um, so I thought I might as well try it out and see. And I did see a buck, but um, so far I've pretty much just been focusing on evenings just because it's really hot and um, they just have been hitting the bean field at night. So that's my current situation. Walk us through what your ideal public land setup looks like in Missouri in early October, whether that's a morning hunt or an evening hunt and, and what you're hunting over in the timber. Or is it a field edge? Oh, I, I like to be in the timber, um, kind of, I would say halfway between bedding and food if I can. Um, cause by then I typically figure out at least a general area of where they're hanging out. So I would say timber next to some kind of oak tree or something that could potentially draw them in. I, I really am just kind of a hang and hunt scout as I go person. So it really just depends what, what kind of activity I'm seeing, but that's typically what I go for. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in Missouri? I say it's going to be about a four or five uh, still just because it's going to be so hot. Um, I think once the temps start dropping, you know, maybe early October, then I think things will start picking up. All right, Caitlin, thanks for the information. Good luck with the rest of your season and thanks for joining me. Thank you. All right. And joining us online next is Brett Joy in New Hampshire from Just Hunt Club. Now, Brett, in New Hampshire, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I would say it's been pretty low um, the last week or so. I'd say it's probably been something like a 3. We're here in our second week of the season, I guess. Yep. Uh, Well, almost in our yeah second week of the season, the end of the second week. Um, Temperatures have been slightly above average, and that's going to suppress movement early season for sure. Um, The other thing is we have seen... um, kind of just a shift in deer activity this past week, I would say, from more of a summer feeding pattern to a fall feeding pattern. So I would say overall activity has been pretty low. When you're hunting the big woods of the Northeast, what are some food sources that you find to be most relevant in October? Um, So for most of the Northeast um, and the big woods, mass crop is is the name of the game, whether it's hard or soft soft mass. for us, it's, it's acorns, particularly red oaks. Um, they're the uh, mass crop that's most prevalent in our area. Um, you may have some white oaks as well, um, beech nuts as you go further north, and the oaks aren't as prevalent. Um, and then across the northeast, for soft map, mass, it's going to be apples. So I think those are probably the, the three food sources to be focused on right now. So oaks, um, beech nuts, and then apples. And it seems like there's a pretty good uh, mass crop uh, for all three this fall. Are you seeing any sign making in the woods yet? Yep. Um, we kind of got off the deer activity a little bit this after the first week of the season. So I did do a little scouting yesterday. Um, got into an area, mountainside, that's full of red oaks. Found a bunch of acorns on the ground. So I knew those trees are producing and I immediately fu- uh, started to find some buck signs. So I found a bunch of scrapes, kind of a new scrape line. Um, I haven't really seen much of that until uh i guess this past week i've I've seen some bucks hitting licking branches well that kind of continues year round but i have seen it pretty good in the month i guess august september um but i haven't really seen any fresh scrapes where the ground's pot up um 
And so I just started to see that. So that's a good sign. And I think probably most of that's going to be tight to bedding and then obviously around food sources. What sort of differences do you notice around sign making when it comes to bucks in the Northeast versus uh, bucks in the Midwest when you're hunting around more traditional agriculture? So I think there's not a ton of difference in like the nature of the sign, I guess it's, you know, rubs and scrapes and stuff like that. There's, there's not much difference. I think that the difference is the variability in the volume of sign. Um, because we have such low deer densities, you're going to see sign in a particular area more dependent on a buck's personality. In the Midwest, there may be 10 or 15 bucks using a particular area. Pretty good chance one or two or five or even 10 of those bucks is going to have a fairly aggressive personality. Um, you know, one that inclines them to leave, leaving a bunch of sign down. Up here in the big woods, our deer density so there may be like three or four bucks in the area, period, and maybe only one or none of those bucks uh, have the personality to leave a bunch of signs. So you may see a li- just a little sign, but that doesn't mean that you're off the X or it's not an area that you should spend time on. And trying to gauge that, um, you know, the volume of sign and, and how you interpret it is important. So I may find just a, maybe one or two scrapes and a couple small rubs. Um, and that be, may be enough for me to investigate more, hunt that area, because there may be a great big, you know, old mature buck that's, it just doesn't have a personality to tear up the entire woods. If you find an area where the entire woods is tore up, well, that's really good too. But I wouldn't be discouraged when you find, you know, a lower volume of sign. Um, it's, it's being able to gauge that and uh, realize that, hey, there aren't 20 bucks in here. So I can't, I don't won't expect to see as much sign as I would, you know, on the back edge of a bean field in September in, you know, Indiana or something like that. If you want to focus on buck bedding in October, how do you identify and find buck beds in the big woods? That's a challenge. I think it's mostly topography driven in the mountains. Um, as you get into some lower land stuff, it's going to be dictated by, you know, thick cover or swampy areas are a great bet. Um, I don't spend a ton of time worrying too much about specific beds. I'll know that, hey, they're going to bed on the point of this mountain like they always do or on this bench on the mountain. I'm more worried about the best food source. And then kind of what beds, beds relate to that food source rather than trying to find the beds and then find the food. So um, our bucks are, I don't want to say they're nomadic because they definitely have like home ranges, but they move a lot within that home range and their home ranges could be huge. So I'm not so focused on this bed. They may have 20 different, you know, areas that they bed through the course of a year. So just trying to find the hot food source is probably a better idea. And then, you know, uh, the topography that lends itself to bedding uh, directly, I guess, uh, related to that food source is going to be your way to find, you know, where they're bedding. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in New Hampshire? So I'm uh, kind of looking at the forecast here and it looks like we're going to have a cold front that's going to come in in the next couple of days. I'm not sure exactly when this is going to come out, but I assume pretty quickly. So towards, you know, the 1st of October, last few days here in September, we're going to get some uh, below average uh, weather uh, temperature wise. So I think that will give uh, uptick to buck activity. If you've found that food source, that mass crop food source that they're on, I think you could have some excellent movement, maybe, you know, seven, eight, nine, even 10. Um, if you're off the X and you're not on that food source, you're probably going to have more of the same. So finding that food source and where those deer are moving this time of year because they're not moving that far is critical. If you find that, I think you're going to have some really good activity 
um, in the next week. Now, earlier this month, Brett, you killed one of the widest bucks that I have ever seen uh, a picture of. I think you said he was 27 inches wide. If you want to see the video of that hunt, you can go to YouTube and check out Just Hunt Club's channel, and you'll find that hunt there. Uh, Crazy deer, crazy hunt. Thank you for joining me, Brett, and good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks, Spencer. I appreciate it. You too. All right. And joining us on the line last is Byron Horton in Ohio from the Whitetail Experience. Now, Byron in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to 10? Yeah, based on some trail cam data and visual sightings, I'd say a solid six out of 10. Uh, We had some favorable conditions for our opener as far as uh, below normal temps. And we visually saw a couple bucks on their feet, uh, including some some mid-morning action, which was kind of crazy. So I'm going to go ahead and go six out of 10, which seems high right now. Where are you running a lot of your trail cameras right now? Right now, I'd say a majority of my trail cams are on scrapes. And personally, I'm attacking a little more big woods pieces. So um, I have shifted to maybe some bigger trails going in and out of Oak Flats, um, in and around clear cuts as well, but uh, dominant use on on the scrapes uh, right now. You said that you've been seeing better movement in the mornings. What does a morning setup look like for you in early October? Yeah, I think uh, based on some some of the trail cam data and and obviously general hunts morning, I like an early access. Um, Getting in there well before daylight, uh, being at the base of your tree a solid hour to hour and 30 before daylight uh, is definitely key. And then obviously um, kind of playing the game of avoiding where these deer are transitioning to. Um, other than that, it's, it's, it's nothing crazy um, as far as a, a morning hunt goes, but the trail cam data does seem to show those cooler mornings and, and the, the deer are moving right, uh, as of oh, some of the scouting I got done right before season. I had more bucks in daylight in the morning half than, than say the evening. So I, I would not hesitate if you had the, the information to go after it. In Midwestern states like Ohio, what are some relevant food sources that you're focused on on public land? Yeah, oaks are the key. Um, and something I've kind of oh, been been trying to figure out better in the last couple of years is scouting the oaks that are actually producing every year or every other and uh, really poking around a good amount of oh, the, the week or so before season. Um, it, it seems like chestnut oaks, which is kind of, I believe, part of the white oak family. Um, are are hot this year and um yeah that's what i've I've bumped some deer off of even midday uh it it seems like early october sometimes i catch these deer midday on these oak flats uh if i if i have time to scout um other than that the other thing i kind of look for with oaks related to it is uh windy days if you have how at least here in ohio uh, something above 15 miles an hour uh, or gusty uh, or a front or some sort of storm, it puts a lot of oaks on the ground quickly and those deer know about it. Uh, so that's some, some, some tactics that I kind of have used or, or fine tuning here the last couple of years is those windy days, uh, dumping oaks um, kind of creates a, a nice uh, effect on those oak flats. We're coming off of a recent full moon. Is that something that you notice had an effect on deer movement for Ohio's opener? Or is it anything that you pay attention to when hunting public land? You know, I don't, I don't really look at the moon as anything. I, I may look back at the overhead and underfoot times if, if I see obscure movement, but it's not something I, I base anything around. I'm much bigger on hunting pressure and weather. And what are you seeing for sign making right now? It's limited. Um, actually, that's something I, I've 
I'll, I'll bounce around the week before the opener. I only found one rub. And then I'll going in on my evening hunt on the opener Saturday evening. I found a, a small cluster of rubs, but you know, I walked a mile to get in there and didn't see any. So it, it's, it's something that right now, if you find it, especially maybe in lower deer number population areas, I think it's something to really key in on because you can judge how fresh uh, the rubs are with the shavings, but also if that tree's kind of bleeding or, you know, uh, it's got some moisture to that rub. It's, it's definitely a, a telltale sign right now. You mentioned that part of your game plan is trying to avoid hunting pressure. Is there any part of like the month of October that you see less hunting pressure than the less of this, than the rest of the season in Ohio? Yeah, I, I do think it does relate to the Buckeye games, uh, um, a little bit as far as uh, football fans, but you know, you've really got, uh, the public land not to yourself, but there's a, there's definitely a lull in hunting pressure from the second week of season to really right around the 20th. Um, I want to say, so you, you, especially weekday hunts and, and even weekends, there's, there's less pressure now for the next, oh, let's call it 20 days, um, before it really ramps up. If you're doing some in-season scouting in early October, what are some things that you're looking for? Yeah, I would say finding, you know, like we talked about with the rub lines, because those are limited right now, those are key droppings under certain oaks or on oak flats uh bumping deer in general is always a good thing um potentially you know to, to get some visual sightings um i do look for a little bit of browse if there's green briar in an area um and then obviously scrapes because there's not a, a ton that are opened up so getting on those and then deploying cameras that can can let you know what's going on um, but I do think, you know, in-season scouting right now is huge because I'm looking ahead, wanting to know when the, that, that early to mid-October cold front's coming. And that's when I want to be in position. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Ohio? Yeah, I'm going to go 3.5. I just don't think it's, it's super high. We kind of just have some stagnant to average weather. Uh, there's a few maybe small rain fronts uh, in the forecast, but no dramatic drops, no oh, home run, get everybody excited on Facebook type cold fronts that I can see at this point. So uh, I don't think uh, chances are going to be as high as they were for our opener. All right, Byron, good luck with the rest of your season and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Lindsay, Caitlin, Brett, and Byron for joining me. And thank you guys for listening. As a reminder, you can find this week's reading materials in the description of the podcast, like How to Deer Hunt Standing Corn, Everything I Use on DIY, Out of State Deer Hunts, A Guaranteed Way to Ruin Any Deer Hunt, and The Truth About Frontal Shots on Deer. The next time I talk to you, it will be October, which I'm sure you're as excited about as me. Until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. 
Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.